Alrighty, today's episode I'm a little bit nervous for. Nervous? Got nervous. I'm nervous. Sorry, I shouldn't <laughs> talk until I'm introduced, do I? <laughs> no, that's alright. So I've got Jack Lawrence. He is the host of One Minute Remaining Podcast. Currently... Oh, let's not talk about the charts, mate. Because no. <laughs> those things number... go up and down. Like, yeah, ridiculous. Anyway. Was number three last time Was number saw? three in the Australian charts, yeah. It's, nice. yeah. I can guarantee you it's not today. <laughs> I haven't looked because it stresses me out. Oh, I don't know. It's... Oh. <laughs> Great listen has has become my favorite podcast. Oh, look out! I do thoroughly enjoy it. Thank you, appreciate that. I'm not into crime podcasts, but a lot of people have told me. Actually, it's funny. A lot of people have said to me, "Oh, I don't listen to crime podcasts, but I listen because you know I know you and I felt bad." And but but I actually enjoyed it. So that's a, that's that's a high compliment because <laughs> you know there is so many crime podcasts out there. I wasn't even supposed to make one, and it just it just sort of happened. Just happened. Yeah, it just happened randomly. Yeah, yeah. It, like honestly, I was supposed to be making a podcast. I was going to make a podcast, but it was going to be about, believe it or not, the lottery. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I and that's how the story came about. Oh, the first story. With yeah, the, the Doris Moore story because yeah. she um, was accused and, and sentenced for murdering um, Abraham Lee Shakespeare for his lottery winnings. And I saw I saw this thing that are ninety percent or something of lottery winners after twelve months have got no friends, no family, and no money left. Yeah, and I'm like, nah, that can't be true. <laughs> so I did this research, and I spent literally like four years researching this podcast. Yeah. And then, like, only seven or eight months ago, maybe seven months ago, it, it also it just changed. Like, so, I mean, all those years, four years of researching for this fucking podcast, all just... out the window. And then I made one minute remaining. So, so when you so you used to work on the radio. Mm. Originally, you're from the UK, I think. Yep. If I did my research yeah, look correctly. at you go, absolutely. Yep. Yes, yep. originally from the UK. Originally from the UK. Yeah. Moved here in 2004, six. Close. Two. two. 2002. Look at him go. <laughs> Jeez, you'd be a good stalker, you. Okay. Yeah, not bad, not <laughs> yeah, bad. Yeah, 2002, I a few moved good here. Questions. Yeah, moved here from the UK to straight to the Goldie, actually, in 2002. Yep. And you did you work on radio back home? Or? No, no, no. Never worked on radio back actually, home. You still been young when you came. Yes, yeah, so I was only 16 when we moved here. Yep. So we moved here and I ended up going. I'd, I'd finished high school in the UK um, and then had to go back to high school which I really did not appreciate. <laughs> uh, and even to make it even worse, my parents sent me to Hillcrest Christian College. Ooh. And I'm, I'm, look, I'll put out, I'm not a religious guy at all. <laughs> I'm, probably the, I'm probably what you would call an atheist. <laughs> so it didn't go too well. I, spent, I, I was there for about a year and then essentially I just came home one day to my parents and I was like, I'm not going back tomorrow. Yeah. And you went straight into media? Like that kind no, of... No, I've had so many different jobs. Like I started working with my old man... Because my old man used to have a, an appliance repair company called Newman's Appliance Repair in Ashmore. Yeah. And I started working for them, just going around with the guys, fixing fridges and shit. And then I got a job working at a company called Waco, who do like portable fridges. Yep. So we did, I, I went there and I, I worked in the warehouse there. And I sort of worked my way up from in the warehouse through to like internal warranty on the phone and then sales on the phone and then eventually to be a sales rep. And then I spent oh, probably from the age of 18 to... 19, nearly 20, maybe not that old, maybe, no, maybe only a year. I, I forget, but anyway, I was 18, 19, I spent as a, an on-the-road sales rep. Yeah. Then I was a real estate agent Ooh. for LJ Hooker in Narang. Nice. <laughs> Did that till like, yeah, and that from there, like I was driving around one day, I, I, as much as, like, I hated real estate. Like, yeah. I hated it. Like, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed talking to people and getting deals together and that sort of stuff was fun. Yeah. 
there was a lot of like knocking on people's doors and yeah. saying, "Do you want to sell your house?" And like, no, if I want to sell my fucking house, I'll call you. Yeah, like, but then you. my boss was really like, "You got to get out there. You got to get out there." Like, he's a great guy. and He's a very very successful dude. So I mean, he obviously knows what he's talking about, but it just wasn't for me. So yeah. I was in the car one day, and I heard a a bloke on the radio talking. Actually, Big K is his name. Big Kona. He's on Hot Tomato at the moment. I heard him on the radio, and I used to be one of those lame people that would just call up all the time just to hear my voice, <laughs> hear my voice yeah, on nice. the radio, nice. and I was loving it. And so I was like, "Oh, fuck, how do I do this? How do I get into this?" Um, and I just couldn't find a way in. And then Radio Metro, um, I heard about Radio Metro via MySpace of all places. Like, yeah, I know that's, that's it. a throwback. Yeah, I know old school. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I and I went along to, to Radio Metro, and I started there, and that, yeah, rest was history. Fourteen and a half years later. Um, Sort of travelled around the country, yeah. all, all the different cities, and heaps of different shows. And yeah, nice. Yeah, it was, it's been a it's CFM been and that. Yes, yeah, so I spent CFM was the. Uh, actually, CFM was my fir- wasn't my first station. That as I started in a station in Lismore after because I start, I was at Radio Metro and then I, um, sent my audio tape to to Lismore. And yeah. I, okay, that was my first full time paying job. Yeah, it was in Lismore doing the drive shift there, and then I was just badgering the CFM guys, like, once a week. It was actually Carl Sandlands who got me my job. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Carl had just, I think he just started on, um, was Australian Idol. Yeah. And he was doing his night show at the time. And I literally was saying, because when you're in radio, you send out your audio demos to yep. try and get a job. So I literally was just sending to everyone and anyone I could think of. And, you know, I was getting knockbacks and, and you know, people saying, oh, you know, you did X, Y, and Z. So I was doing that. And I was, like, getting nowhere. So I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to send Carl Sandlands in. An email. So I sent him an email, not expecting anything, and I said to him, you know, would you have a listen to my stuff, blah, blah, blah. Literally within 10 minutes of sending that email, my email pinged and it was from Carl Sandlands. Shat myself. And he's like, Hectic. yeah, send me your send me your audio. Oh, absolutely. I'll send it, oh, you know, I'll send it to some people I knew. Literally sent him my audio. Didn't think anything of it. And um, a couple of weeks later, got a phone call from some random dude who was a head, was like a pretty head honcho in, in radio, which I didn't knew nothing about. <laughs> And literally within six months later, I was on the Gold Coast, back on the Gold Coast, um, just as a casual at yeah. CFM. Um, and then I literally hung around that place like a bad smell until yeah, nice. um, I got a job on their drive show um, as the sort of button monkey, as they yeah. call it, the button pusher. Um, and Bex was the drive show back then. And I spent a, a while on there and then just, yeah, worked my way up, really, uh, and spent seven years um, on the Gold Coast. Sweet. How does... How does the radio work? Like if you, like you said, you were full time, mm. but how does that work? Because like, if your show's for what, yeah, two see, hours, three hours, everyone thinks that you you're literally on air for like. So my shift would be like midday till three. Yeah. So everyone thinks you rock in, do three hours, and then fuck off. Yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of stuff you, you do. You have to do stuff behind the scenes yeah. as well. So, um, like it, there used to be back in the day, like announcers used to just be announcers. Yep. Um, but obviously with the way things, you know, with companies needing to sort of tighten their belts you they just you've got to do a lot of other things like my most recent job that i quit to, before i did the podcast was i came back to the gold coast and i took on the role of um afternoons announcer um but also um as the assistant content director yeah so which basically means you know i was in charge of um ba- the day-to-day running of the station yeah, so right. i you know my work day would start at 5 a.m oh. and not finish till you know well, never, never really finished. When you're a when you're a content director or an assistant content director director of a radio station, you 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 never stop. Yeah, like you're always on because the radio doesn't stop. Yeah, true. So if there's an issue, you're the one that gets the calls and stuff like that. And that's the that's actually was the catalyst that ended up breaking me 
to the point where I'm like, I said to my wife, I cannot fucking do this anymore. Yeah. Because I couldn't listen to the radio. Like, we on the weekend, my wife would put on the radio. I'm like, just fuck, please turn it off. Like, yeah. I can't listen. Because if something goes wrong and then I hear it, I can't ignore it. I then have to do something about it. Yeah. So I could never, like, stop. Uh, and the money on the Gold Coast, to be honest, is fucking shit. Yeah, like right. I, I worked for a while in Sydney, yeah. where the money's really great. It's, yeah. it's good money, um, and but it was a lifestyle decision to come back to the Gold Coast. Yeah, because um, we got young kids and we wanted them to grow up here. So I had to take a really hefty pay cut to come back, yeah. which was fine at the time because I didn't really. I don't think I understood the the scope of the job, and it's nothing. It's something I hadn't done before. So I was like, I'll give it a go. And then you eventually go, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing these many hours for this money? Like, it's just, you know. Just for a lifestyle. Yeah, and it was. And it was, it was, a, it was a family and a lifestyle decision, but eventually it just got too much. And I was just like, you know what, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, it just, like, it mentally, it mentally broke me. Like, I, I mean, it was, there was weekends, like, I, like, I remember a Sunday where I just, I think it was the, the, the defining moment was this Sunday where it just seemed that everything, everything was going wrong. Yeah. And I just, like, people were sh- complaining about X, Y, and Z, and then I was getting phone calls from this person and that person and cranky salespeople going, what the fuck's going on here? And I had a just, I just, <clears throat> I just stood outside, like, just staring into the, the fucking distance, like, and I just was, bro- I was broken. Like, I hadn't been that broken in a long time. And my wife was like, you've got to get out of this. You've just got to get out. So you happy with the decision? Oh, mate, I could not be happy. I mean, I'm st- I've got different kinds of stresses now, obviously, because I'm not making any money. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so I've got bills to pay and stuff like that. So luckily we're in a position where we've got, you know, some savings and my wife has got a decent job. So, you know, we can afford to for the next sort of maybe month or two just, you know, for me to – and I still go back to the station and do on-air stuff. Yep. Like I did the races last weekend and stuff like that because I still love the on-air side of things. Yeah, yeah. It was just the operational stuff that was just – I just couldn't do it. Yeah, like, it was too much. So in your time on radio, you've worked with a lot of people. Husey yep. was one that you mentioned. Yeah, so Husey and I worked together for about five years. Yeah. Um, so I joined him and um, Kate Langbrook. Um, so they had a show, Husey and Kate, um, and at the time it was just, um, broadcast across the ARN network, which is like Kiss FM and stuff like that, uh, where Carl and Jackie O uh, are on air. Uh, and that was – I was on a sort of year – forced year hiatus from radio because I got made redundant um, in 2015, I think, from memory, from when I, we moved to Adelaide for me to do breakfast radio there. Uh, and we lasted a year. The just show was just not great, basically. <laughs> and we got I got made redundant from that. And then I came back to the Gold Coast and worked at the Gold Coast City Council for a year Ooh. as a social media manager for them. Interesting. Which is a great, like a gr- like you know, great job. Like Council cruisy Gold. has, <laughs> like so cruisy, good pay, cruisy. Um, but then one day out of the blue, I've been doing that for a year, and I got a phone call from a mate of mine. Um, who was there, they call it an anchor, so you basically say, oh, it's Tuesday and Kate for the drive home, push their buttons, and then they go, you know, do their bit. Uh, and he called and said, oh, would you be interested to get back to back into radio? And I, I'd had a, because I was made redundant, and it was a bit of a, sh- that was a real shock, like, because radio, the only thing I'd really ever seriously career-wise, like, focused on and been like, this is what I want to do. Uh, and I really worked hard at it. Like it was the one thing I really just put my mind to. So to be made redundant was another moment. Like it was a real low point as well, you know, because the, the, the rug was like I was just not expecting People say I wasn't expecting it, but I was just – was, I just – the last thing I ever expected. Um, so I felt like I had this 
like unfinished, unfinished business. Like I, on my exit interview, the boss, the big boss of the like entire company, not the CEO, but he's like what they call the group program director. So he's like in charge of everyone on air. Had a sit down meeting with him, and he's like, "Oh, he goes, you know, you tried the Cap City thing, you did all right, but you'll never be a superstar." Oh wow! And I'm like, ah, "This is <laughs> this is really bad." And he goes, "Do I feel sorry for you?" Yeah, look, yeah, not really. You know, one day you'll thank me. I'm like, and I'm just like, you fucking asshole. So I felt like I had this unfinished business where I was just like, you know what, I can do this. Mm. You know, you just put me in a shit situation yeah. where it was a culmination of things. So when he called me and said, oh, "Would you be interested to get back into it?" I was humming and ahhing, and he said, you know... The is this the same dude that... No, 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 oh, okay. different guy, different guy. <laughs> no, haven't spoken to that guy since. Um, but, yeah, so he called me, and um, and he's like, oh, do you want to get... Would you get back in? It's like, it's the jobs with Husey and Kate, and blah, blah, blah. So I was humming and ahhing, because I was just like, oh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big job. And I still... I think I... Deep down, I probably had some doubts in my own ability because yeah, of, of what had happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like... And even after starting with Husey and Kate, Kate used to say to me all the time, like, you know, what do you, Jack, you know, because I was very, like, oh, meek. I don't know if it's the right word, but I was a bit standoffish and really sort of stood back from the microphone and just let them do their thing. Yeah. Um, so she would always, like, pump me up. But so so I was like, you know, so we had a few meetings with Husey and Kate and, you know, I went down to Melbourne, which is where they're doing the show from, for a couple of times to meet them and sit with them and chat with them. Um, yeah, and eventually got offered the job and... Spent five, just over five years with, with uh, well, I mean, Kate um, left the show eventually. Um, we moved to, back to the state, see if, like, the the company that made me redundant, we moved back there to take over from Hamish and Andy. Yeah. So Hamish and Andy came off air. Big shoes for Yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember that. I'd only been working with Husey and Kate for a year, and I, it was, we were on our Christmas break, and I got a phone call from Husey, and I was like, oh, fuck, because any time Husey calls me, it's never good news. <laughs> In our in our history together, now he calls me and it's like I, I, I'm sh- it's fine. But when we were working together, it was always something. So he called me on on the weekend. It was leading up to Christmas. He goes, "Ah, uh, so mate, uh, we're not going to be with Kiss next year." I was like, "Okay." He goes, "Yeah, we're taking over from Amish and Andy." Oh god! I'm like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" And I was like, "Okay," because I didn't even know like because I wasn't. It's not like I'm signed to Husey and Kate. Mm. I was signed to Kiss the company. Yeah. So I'm like, he's like, oh, we'd love you to come with us, um, you know. And I was like, okay, man. I said, but I'm in a contract, I think. I don't think I can just leave. Uh, and then I went into work after this all happened and the assistant contractor at that station sort of sat me down. I was like, just want to, you know, see what your thoughts are and your plans are, obviously, with Husey and Kate. You know, um, the boss is a bit, you know, worried that you, you might be leaving with them. And I went, oh, I didn't know I could. <laughs> so eventually, So essentially I was like, you know, I went with them, and then we went to and spent a few years there. Kate moved to Italy and did the show from Italy for for about six months. Um, did and then, the radio show from Italy, yeah. So she did it from Italy <laughs> while we did it from here. Yeah, right. So we had her in Italy, us in Melbourne, uh, and then Husey would travel all the time with his comedy. So sometimes it would be me in Melbourne, Husey main maybe in Darwin, yeah. and Kate in in Italy. You don't realize how like like you can be so. You don't have to be in the street. That, and that's the thing. And that's why, again, I love podcasting as yeah. well because you can do it from anywhere. Yeah. And with radio, you know, the technology is that so good where we could just hook up a line and put her through and people would think she was in the room with you. And yeah, that's what you always think. Like they're just in the studio. 100%. And, and there's yeah, yeah. so many occasions where a lot of um, shows out there now have people in different places because they'll, have, they'll sign people like there's, you know, there's shows that come out of um, Melbourne where actually, uh, actually, I know what, there's the I think the Adelaide. I can say this now because the Adelaide show is fucking finished anyway. But the, the Adelaide show they had um, Limo 
who's a comedian, Limo. Uh, what's his last name? Anyway, Limo, he does this show in Adelaide, but he's from Melbourne. Yeah. But he does a show from Melbourne like 90% of the time, and the other guys are in Adelaide. Interesting. Um, and there's so many shows like that, like Kate, um, Tim and Joel on Nova, the drive show. They're split up most of the time as well. That's interesting. There's a lot of those shows that do that. So, yeah, Kate did that for six months and then decided that she wanted to do six months in Italy without having to work and just focus on enjoying living in Italy. And then Ed Cavalier joined us. Um, Got a few questions about Ed. Ed Cavalier. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so Ed, Ed joined us. Of course, people may know him from Have You Been Paying Attention? That's my show. Every Monday is that night, you? Yeah. I tell the missus, I say, <laughs> do not talk to me from 8.40. It is from such a popular show. It, it really is. is I didn't realise how popular it was until I, I started it's talking huge. Like, about it. It wins the ratings like pretty much every night it's on. Have You Been Paying Attention? That's, um, that's very interesting because when I was looking up yourself, and I saw that you did the illustrations for Ed Cavalier's Yeah, for his book. kids' book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that, and so you I have your own it. as well? Yeah, I've got my own kids' book. Um, yes, yeah, so that's a side. I've got Tim, my, my wife likes to say that I've got um, creative ADD um, because I literally, like, I, uh, I'm always wanting to do something. Like, <laughs> at one point I was pitching a TV show um, to Stan and, I, and my idea involved a puppet. Yeah. And... I looked at getting it. I looked at getting it bought. I looked at getting it made, and it was like three grand. I went, "Fuck that!" I reckon I can make one. So I made one, and it turned out really well, and I enjoyed it. So then all of a sudden, I started just making puppets. So I was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I can sell these things for fucking fortune. People sell these for like three grand." And so there was that, and then so yeah. So then, but the the drawing I've always drawn since I was a kid, and when lockdown happened, I took it a bit more seriously. Like I got an iPad and to draw with, and blah blah. blah. You know, spend an entire year just drawing every single day and just building up that sort of skill and trying to make a bit of extra money on the side doing yeah. that, which I did, you know, here and there. I drew, I've drew, drawn like about, I think it's six kids' books. True. Um, <clears throat> but not like ones of Ed's calibre, like just yeah, yeah. on Fiverr, you know, Fiverr. So I was putting myself on Fiverr. Oh, so yeah, all yeah, these so people that really wanted, who always, you know, had kids' book ideas but couldn't afford like a decent illustrator, yeah, yeah. they hired me. So, <laughs> so wait. But yeah, so Ed. Um, Ed's manager rang me one day and was like, oh, Ed um, is doing a kid's book um, and he's told the publisher that um, he's not doing it unless you illustrate it. Um, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. She's like, it's a very tight turnaround. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh my God. So, yeah, next minute, yeah, I uh, ended up illustrating his kid's book. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting one. But, yeah, Ed's, Ed's a great guy. Ed's um, an extremely – I think he's un- like – um, I don't want to say underrated because that was, but he's he's very very clever and very very oh, funny. He's very quick witted. Oh very. mate, yeah, he's he's very he's he's a silent. He's he's very he's not brash and like you know mm. in your face, but he's um he's a quiet achiever, old Ed. He's he does very well for I himself. Have, I love watching him and Sam yeah. Pang. Yeah, um, yeah, oh, yeah. They're Sam back Pang and forth. is so yeah. funny as well. Yeah, yeah. good. I just yeah. got tickets to his show. Freaking sold out real quick. Oh yeah, absolutely! Oh. All these guys, you know, mate. I didn't realize how popular they actually were. Yeah, it's like, incredible. That, that show, as I said, it's like it's just it's a juggernaut of a show, and it just always wins the ratings. It's, yeah. Um. So uh, so yeah. So Ed, working with Ed was fantastic, and he's just yeah, he's very helpful and and great with you know any of my ideas. Like he, he'll message me and you know ask me what I'm doing and blah blah blah. Uh, so working with him is great. We're obviously, um, so because when Kate left, we were trialing people to be on the show. Yeah. Um. So um, and Ed was one of the last. It wasn't really a trial. Well, I suppose Ed was a trial. But then we had like Hamish. Hamish. Hamish came in for a week. He was never going to be on the show, mm. but he just came in to hang out for a week. Um, so that was cool. Um, I and mean, a few other people popped in, but but Ed ended up being the the sort of main guy on the show. Sure. And it was just that was probably I think you know 
my my time with Husey and Kate uh, was phenomenal, but I think I was too caught up in the past yeah. and struggling with the demons of not being good, of being fired and losing my job and stuff like that. So I wasn't really enjoying the show. Yeah. I was just, I constantly felt on fucking edge. Like I was, I could do anything, like any minute now I'm going to lose my job. Cut <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, and it was fun and stuff like that. And, and I think towards the end I really started to enjoy it. And then but by the time Ed came in, because also Husey, I think, because he had this comfort zone with him and Kate where he just, you know, it felt comfortable for him. When she left, I think he was just, again, like it was just, I was the familiar part yeah. of that show. Like he felt, you know, because I... And, and that made me feel a bit more included. Yeah. Uh, and I just had the best fucking time. But that, that show when Susie and Ed, we just had a fucking ball. Like yeah, it was nice. just, just, just <laughs> laughing and fucking, it was just great fun. Um, and then they eventually decided they were going to send that show to Sydney to do breakfast. Uh, and Aaron Molan um, joined the show. Um, and, you know, that was, that was, it was good, but I, I had to take a major step back for that show because you can't have four voices talking yeah. on the radio. It's just too confusing for listeners. Plus you've got three big personalities there, so they mm. don't need me fucking, you know. Just chiming in. Yeah, chiming in. <laughs> but Husey wanted me to stay with the show because um, because he was just he, – Husey likes that familiarity yeah. and he knows that – he knew that I know what he wants from me and, you know, to help him with his performance on air. Um, so he was like, you know, Jack stays with us type thing, which is, you know, wonderful. Like he's a very loyal person. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I had nothing, no other option. Like, you know, I, I wasn't sure about doing breakfast radio cause the hours are fucked. Um, <laughs> but you know, again, the money's great. Um, and so I did it for a year and, but it just got to the point where I just felt like one, I'd done every, I'd done it. I think I'd done my time. Like, you know, I was five years now as an anchor on that show. And I think I had, I felt like I had more to offer than just, cause I literally was just going, Oh, it's 104.1 Today FM, Husey, Ed and Aaron. And that's it. That's <laughs> literally all I'd fucking say. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, when it was just the two of them, I could join in because, you, you, you know, you've got that dynamic of one saying the other and then I'm piggy in the middle and kind of doing that. But then obviously once you bring in a third person in, they fill that gap. Yeah. And then I no longer really have a, a voice. Yeah, exactly. Apart from what time is it and temperature <laughs> and the weather. Um, so, so, yeah, so I and, – and it goes to show that as, when I left – they didn't replace my role. They just put someone in to turn the microphones on, essentially. So, so Ed then took over as the, the anchor, um, and then they just have a guy in there to push the buttons. Sweet. So then yeah. you just went, fuck yeah, it. Yeah, well, well, came back to the Gold Coast, and as I said, we did, did that job for a few months, only six months I think I lasted. Yeah. Uh, and this podcast sort of idea started to, started to roll, um, and I just said to my wife, well, fuck, I'll just give this a crack and – you know, dive into it. See what happens. You know, if it doesn't work out, then I'll find another job. Plenty of work around. Well, yeah. I mean, the trouble is, I'm not qualified to do any of the work that's around. Really, I mean, I could do night fill, um, but yeah, because I've only done radio really for my entire career. Well, the podcast seems to be doing really well. So it's you interviewing. You, you ring them. They ring you on the phone. Prisoners. They ring me. Yeah. So they ring me. Um, so I, I mean, it's so funny cause I say, oh, fucking the breakfast hours are, breakfast radio hours are fucked, but I, I get up at four o'clock in the morning still now to do these. Um, but it, at least I only have to just walk downstairs to my, my room downstairs to record them. Um, but yeah, so they, they ring me. Sometimes I don't ring it. Sometimes I, mean, I had a, a week last week where I got up every single morning 
and just the phone just didn't ring. Do you know what morning they're going to ring? Or well, yeah, last? we generally because because we we talk was also via um, email. Yep. Um. So we set up the chats and, and discuss you know when we're going to talk and what time we're going to talk through the week. And there, but then things can happen. Obviously, it's prison, so things can happen. Like they have count time, and you know, um, shit can go wrong, and there's lockdowns. Um, like the other day, this guy I'm talking to, Anthony Duke, um, he was he was supposed to call me and didn't call me. I was like, oh, and I, it's not like I can call them and be like, oh, you're late for the interview. Yeah, where <laughs> yeah, are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, although there's one guy I can call because uh, he has his own mobile phone. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so so he's like, oh, and then he called me. He's like, oh, we just came out of lockdown. There was a murder. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, right. It's just some casual. Yeah, there, sure yeah. there was. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, so they call me. Uh, we chat. They get half an hour to talk. Um, and then after the half an hour, the phone just cuts out, and then they have to wait half an hour before they can call me back. That's interesting. So yeah. they can call you more than once. Yeah, yeah, they can call me more than once. So, yeah, so they just have to wait that half an hour, and that's apparently to stop people from basically hogging the, the phones. Hogging, yeah. So their, their account can't call anyone for half an hour, so they have to go away and then come back. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so um, they've actually got a lot of freedom to talk. Mm. Like, you know, they've got email. As I said, they've got email. I mean, all that stuff gets monitored. Um, but, um, yeah, like, it's it's very uh, – it's apparently a lot easier for them these days to be able to talk to people than it was back in the day. Jesus. So, so you – how do you find them? How do you – Well, it, it started with that Doris when I found her story. So uh, four years ago when I was working with Husey and Kate, about four, four and a half years ago, um, I saw that story, the lottery story, and I sent her, I sent Derice a letter. I just literally wrote her a letter. I said, I had, I'd love to tell your story. And um, she sent me a letter back and that was it. Yeah. She's, and then now, and then she basically acts as my in-prison producer at the moment. She that's goes, so she cool. goes around the prison and finds other people for me to Who talk to. to. Talk. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So she, she, she'll, she'll message me going, I've got someone else for you on Friday, blah, blah. So, and then sometimes I'll call, I have no idea who they are, what they're calling, what, what they've done. Uh, I just found, find out on the morning. Um, so, but it's that, so I, I spoke to her and then while talking to her, cause her story is mental and it was just so, I was getting lost with all the twists and turns of the, of the interview. I'm like, how am I going to make sense of this into a podcast? Because I listened to it. That was, and then when she's talking about sending tapes and all that, yeah, that was her. She got yeah, it yeah, yeah. So she got all these recorded tapes. Yeah, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, no, she doesn't. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she, then, yeah, boom, she, yeah, she, she does. sends them to me. Yeah, it's, I didn't think she did too. I thought she was. I thought she was like talking nuts. I thought she was. I literally thought she was like crazy. Yeah. Uh, and even she said to me, she goes, "I'm so glad you got the tapes because I, I thought you were going to think I was crazy." I'm like, I did, I, but um. <laughs> So, she, but while talking to her, she's like, "Oh, do you want to talk to my um, law clerk who's helping me with my case?" And I'm like, "Yeah, great. Send me a number. I'll give her a call." She's like, "Oh, no, no. I'll set it up from here." I was like, "Okay." She's like, "Yeah, she's in prison with me." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, this is. I've got to talk to this lady." So then I talked to Kimberly Boone. Is her name? And in the chat, because we were supposed to be talking, obviously about Teresa's case, but I was like, "Well, I need to know why you're in yeah. there for." And then she started telling me her story. She was arrested. Um, for the attempted murder of her husband and charged with that, not once but twice. I'm like, what? So I was like, okay, well, now I need to, I need to know your story. And then it just sort of clicked. It's in my head it clicked because the, the, um, I was hitting a lot of dead ends with the lottery podcast because people who win lots of money, funnily enough, don't mm. want to talk. They want to stay hidden, which yeah, is exactly. fair enough, so would I. So I was struggling with that one and I couldn't see any longevity in it because the thing about, obviously, with podcasts, you want to, Keep it going yeah. for a long time. So you're always going to podcast the first one, the 
The, the lotteries thing, yeah, yeah. So it was that always one. I was always planning on podcasting the lottery one because I had I had a lot of contacts, you know, people who had won, you know, you know, I found a daughter of a guy who won a stack of cash and then died, you know, with no money and all this sort of stuff. So I had a few stories to tell. So I was always going to go down that way and build a podcast around that. And then this kind of just presented itself, mm. and I just went, "This has longevity." This has more to it. This is more, and I and I also because I was telling people at work these stories, and they were like fascinated. And every day I'd come in, they're like, what? "Tell us, more. like, what?" So I'm like, "Okay, there's obviously this appetite Something, for yeah. it." And I was I was very anti doing a true crime podcast because there's just so many of them. But then again, there's so many podcasts, so it, it was a case. Of, and I, but I, in my head, I'm like, "Well, this is a bit of a different angle because most there's a lot most of the true crime podcasts people are telling stories." Or talking to victims, or talking to cops, mm. or talking to you know, not many people I think are talking to the actual people in prison. Yeah, you know, obviously, Serial's the most famous one, which is the original true crime podcast. Um, there's another one that's done from inside San Quentin, um, which is a brilliant podcast, but I can't remember the goddamn name of it right now. Um, but that's a great podcast. But other than that, I was like, trying to rack my brains. I'm like, I don't really know anyone else that's talking to c- criminals in mm. prison. <clears throat> so that's when I was like, okay, well, I'll just give this a go. Um, and um, so far, it seems to be doing all right. It's such a great concept. It's so cool. Well, it's fun, and it's so funny because it it just it was an accident. Yeah. And I suppose, and it's so funny because you look at a lot of people who you know have these ideas and and they seem to go really well. And most of the time, they're like, oh yeah, it just kind of happened, you know. And it and it did. It just kind of happened. And you know, I obviously took a huge risk in quitting a full time job to make this mm. happen. And I look. You know, it's it's great having a, a a podcast at the top end of the charts, but let me tell you, it does not equate generally to the fact that you've got hundreds to of thousands money. of yeah, listeners exactly. and you're making money because I am making no money. I've <laughs> definitely got more listeners than I had, but even then, but now I'm like, I don't know if you, if like I have got, like I'm very, I have some form of anxiety. I don't know what it is, but I have some form of anxiety. But it always manifests itself in different ways. Like now, it's like I'm just fucking obsessed with numbers on the download numbers, yeah. and it take it takes over my life. <laughs> like, and everyone's just like, "Stop worrying about the numbers. Just focus on." I'm, I'm like, "No, but I have. I need the like." And then I see a drop because obviously we had a fucking. I got invited onto True Crime Conversations, which is a true crime podcast, yeah. pretty big one. Like, Mama Mia is the guys that um, produce it, so they invited me on to talk about a case, and I was getting about, I think like average like on on a launch to have a podcast i get about 650 downloads that's all right so it's all right so i was like i was happy i was happy with that but obviously i need i knew i needed more to be able to monetize it and then so that was on launch day but then when on not a launch day it was about 200 downloads yeah um so it's going it was all right it was okay it wasn't you know and i'd only just started it was a few weeks in but then i got invited on this fucking podcast and the day it I got invited. I got two and a half thousand downloads Jesus. the day it launched, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going <laughs> yeah. on?" And then the next day was three and a half thousand. And the next day was four and a half thousand. Yeah, sick. And I was, I was like, boom, boom, boom. I was like, okay. And then I'm just like, but then I'm, just, but then don't worry because it comes <laughs> back down again. <laughs> it's like you get this fucking. You look at my little chart because you'll follow this, you know, the the progression of downloads, yeah. and it just like this. Nice Mount Everest, but then <laughs> you've also got to come down that mountain. And the the last few days for me for downloads have just been, and that's the problem. Like, and then it's never enough. I, mm. And Husey used to say this all to me all the time because he is one of the richest men I know. 
Um, he's filthy rich. Like yeah, he's right. got so much fucking money. True. Yeah, and he won't mind me saying that. Um, <laughs> he, flex. The, he, yeah, and the, he's got. I mean, he, and it's so funny. He doesn't flash it around. Yeah, he seems very humble. No, mate, he doesn't. He he literally he says he's got no vices. He doesn't take drugs. He doesn't drink. Um, doesn't even eat meat. Doesn't gamble. Doesn't gamble. Oh, you know, he will occasionally gamble. Okay, like he's. <laughs> I remember one day he goes, "I've got fucking seven hundred dollars in me fucking my my, my account. Man. Let's have a punt on something." So I literally, I've got a mate of mine who used to be a professional punter. So I messaged him like, "Oh, what can we put money on?" He's like, "Oh, this horse and here's he lost." So he wasn't happy about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he used to say to me because we used to always joke about how much money he's got, um, uh, and he used to say, "Mate, doesn't matter how much you got, it's never enough." Mm. And although you could say, "Well, it's easy for a rich guy to say," yeah, and you know, I used to say to him, "Well, give me your money, and I'm I'm happy to give it a go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm happy to have a crack." But it's very true because I know when I first started the podcasting, you know, I just wanted this amount of downloads, yeah. and then I hit that. I'm like, and then, but then that's not enough. I'm like, well, I need this amount of downloads, mm. and then, well, I, and it's like, you know, I've had a great run over the last week or so because um, I got, I mean, I, my podcast is still, I'm only nine episodes in. Um, so it's still for a podcast very early days, but yeah, it's never enough. Yeah, like, no. And I just think to myself, like, will it ever be enough? See, I'm glad I don't look at the numbers. Yeah, see, I wish I, that I wish that was me. Like, because we get maybe three, four hundred downloads an episode. Yeah, which is good. Like. Yeah, Gr- mate. You know that the average <laughs> the average download for a fucking podcast is like if you're getting a hundred downloads an episode, yeah. you're in the top fifty percent of podcasts. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Top fifty percent. It's because there's so many. Oh, mate, there's, there's so yeah. many, and that's the thing. And that's the thing I found the hardest thing about podcasting is not making the episodes, getting people to listen, mm. because there's so many. Yeah, exactly. There is just so many, and it's just cutting through and trying to get people to listen. Yeah. Um, and that's like for me, like because it's obviously I'm a one man band. Oh, actually, no, I was going to say one man, one man band. I'm not a one man band. I've got an audio guy who helps me, Dom, who's a genius. Um, so he helps me with 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 the episodes. But essentially, like, I'm doing all the chasing for interviews and, you know, finding people and editing everything and, you know, getting the episodes ready and making sure they all sound right and, you know, getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do these interviews. and then. But then on top of that, you then got to go, well, fuck, how am I going to get people to listen to this? Mm. Yeah. And it's just like – and especially I feel it's it's compounded with for me as well because I have no income. Yeah. And yeah. that's and, – and I have a mortgage and I have kids. There you go. Uh, you know, and – and I have that strand because my wife said to me, she goes, don't you dare quit your fucking job and then stress about money. <laughs> so if she, in case she ever listens, she doesn't even listen to my podcast. If she listens. It must uh, be a partner's thing because mine doesn't listen either. No. She didn't even I was on Sky News <laughs> last night. She didn't fucking watch. I did actually watch that. Oh, did you? I did, thank yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. that. Because uh, my wife certainly fucking did. <laughs> I come home and I was like, the kids were still up. And it was like, I don't know, quarter to eight. And I got home and the kids were still up. And they're usually well in bed by then. And I thought, oh, she's let, let, left them up to watch Daddy on the TV. Oh. Uh, nah. Nah. I went upstairs and I was like, oh, did you see it? She goes, oh, no, we didn't. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, I was bathing the kids and dinner. And I'm oh. like, yeah, you could have had the TV on in the background. <laughs> Oh, so, but anyway, no. yeah. So, but yeah. So, I spend my life just, you know, these days now stressing about fucking numbers. So, I feel like it's the the better you do, the more stressful. Well, for me, anyway, it becomes because then you worry about then keeping that audience around, and um, you know, because you get to the point where you monetize these things, 
and then sponsors are going to want to see download numbers. Exactly. So then you look at your download numbers. If they start going down, your sponsors are then going to fuck off and yeah. you're going to go, oh, God. And there's no money. Yeah. So anyway, but look, it's fun, this podcasting stuff. <laughs> it is fun. It's really fun. It is. I, and I must admit, like, it's fun being my own boss. Yeah. Just doing my own thing and, you know, not I'd having... I'd say you can do it whenever, but you... Well, well and that's the other thing. Time. I'm working seven days a week at the moment. Like, that's... You know, but it's something for it's for me. Like it's not for yeah. a big company. It, it's, it's for something for me and for my family. Yeah. So I'm happy to get up at four o'clock in the morning, and I'm happy to work Monday to Sunday. Yeah. Um, well, but then good. I've got the ability to say, you know what, today I'm not going to do anything. So that's fair. Yeah. So how do you how do you choose like who you're going to share their story for? Do you just at listen? this stage, I'll be honest, I'm taking everybody. Just taking everyone. Yeah, because I I feel like every and I think this is in life. I think everyone's got a story. Mm. You know, I think. Yeah, I even that was a that was another podcast idea I had. Just literally walking up to randoms in the yeah. street and just grabbing them and getting their stories. There's a um two young boys for that on TikTok. Oh, is there? They literally sit on the street. I'm pretty sure it's called like the sidewalk or something. Yeah, yeah. and they just sit on the side of the street and just go you and that person sits down. They give see them like, great. See every idea's genius. been done. There's they no had, such thing um, as a new idea. They grabbed this dude and like people walking past and they were like. Oh, like, what are you doing? Like, oh, what? is this the producer of the Stranger, Stranger Things? Yeah. I have seen that. Yes. Yeah. yeah like, just, who are you? He's literally walking past and people are like, oh, I love your work. And they're like, sorry, who the fuck are you? Um, yeah, no, I have seen that. So, yes. Yeah, so, and that's the thing. Like, so in my opinion, like, everyone's got a story. So, and, and if they're in prison, mm. they've definitely got a story. Yeah. Whatever it is, they've got a story to tell. And I find I've always been fascinated by prison, prison stuff. I don't know why it's a weird fascination, but I have always had a fascination with prisons and crime. And, you know, one of my favourite books is Chopper's mm. books. I love his books yeah. and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I've always had a fascination in that world and that life. Um, so it's it's kind of funny that this has happened because I've always, you know, I've watched all the documentaries on prison and, and stuff like that. Um, don't fancy going. Um, um, I think I'll try and stay on there. Did you visit any of them? I did think about that. And I, I, I think I would. Like, I'm not, it's not that I, like, I literally, I'm not, I wouldn't find any of them frightening. All the ones I talked to, I mean, but then I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer was nice too. They say so. I mean, <laughs> my missus has a weird thing for him at the moment. Everyone, da- well, this is that Netflix has really got a lot to answer for, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, because they're making these these serial killers heartthrobs. Yeah. yeah, like Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Let's get the hottest guy yeah, on fucking exactly. screen to play a killer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but I think I think when I visit them, I probably would. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just I mean. I thought about this the other day because Derice, there's every potential Derice could get out of prison. Like she's got an evidentiary hearing coming up. Um, uh, she's got blood DNA or something that they found and they didn't test. So, I mean, look, there's every chance she could get out. Well, her case is very strange. Like, Oh, mate. How did they not listen? She was the one with the tapes, yeah? Yeah. So yeah so like, she, how did they not listen to the tapes or watch the video? Well, so, and this is the thing. She's she's. But I've listened to these. So for anyone listening who obviously hasn't heard it, she... She was caught in an undercover sting uh, in recordings. They said that she, that he she killed this guy for his lottery winnings and then buried him in the backyard of one of her properties. Um, and then she told me that it was actually that he was involved in loaning his winnings to drug dealers um, because he there was a lawsuit coming up and he didn't want his money being taken off him. So of course, like what what else would you do than just give it to drug dealers to exactly. use? Um, so they were supposed to be paying him back, and obviously, you know, drug dealers don't tend to want to, you know, pay back. Yeah, so they wanted to keep the money, uh, and she says that they killed him, um, and she had all these recordings because she initially met him because she wanted to write a book about him because it was just a fascinating story, which it is, 
Um, and she said after, not long after meeting him, um, she realised that there was all this shit going on. So she was doing her own recordings, quite uh, undercover recordings, and she had it all. She had tapes, video, and she posted it to me. So I've watched video of her with Abraham where he does admit that, like he's saying that he's worried for his life. That's so Someone's going to kill him. That's so hectic. And then there's another one where it's a recording with her talking to another lady who knew Abraham very well. And she's, she, Doris says to him, like, did, did, was he loaning money to drug dealers? And she's like, was it a big secret? And there's another one where two blokes, alleged drug dealers, are saying that Doris will get killed. Based, or she, no, they say she'll disappear if she doesn't stop talking about a certain person. So it's hectic shit. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And you and got me, sent the tape. I got sent them, yeah. DVD arrived at work <laughs> from the prison. And I'm like, part of me for a while was like, because I was talking to some mates about it, and one of my mates was like, just be careful, dude. Like, yeah. you know, I'm like, yeah. Mm. Um, so, which is why I never actually used, and in the, I, I used actors to play the part of these people. So that yeah. it couldn't, and I didn't use any names. So we didn't, can't link anyone. So if anyone's out there, because lawyers told you not to. Yeah. So I had two lawyers. Um, because I, I was gonna just do it, and then I think one day I was like, still thinking about, it, I was like, oh, I should probably check this. So I found a lawyer who actually joins me on the podcast now. He's great michael leonard's his name he's an attorney in the u.s so i found him and i spoke to him about it and he's like oh look just cover your ass and yeah. you know just in case and then a guy in australia found a lawyer here and spoke to him about it and essentially he said the same thing like, you know just cover your ass because you never know and the, the american lawyer was like very much doubt there's a case there for anyone to come to you like and, and try and sue you yeah. but just, just to be safe like it, it, and you know and it still and it still sounds fine and stuff like that and um, so yeah, so we didn't end up playing the actual the audio, but I've got it all there and I've listened to it all and it's fuck, it's mind blowing, mind blowing. Scary. It's terrifying. It's, scary. it's terrifying. Yeah. It's good, and I, so that's another reason. That's one one potential reason why I might not go into Florida because I don't know if I'll be the most popular person in Florida. <laughs> yeah, so. true. All the all the people you speak to are they all in Florida? No, there's um, most of them are in Florida. So I got two guys that I talked to are in Florida. Um. The guys I found through TikTok, <laughs> their families found me. I put some videos on TikTok and their families found me and put me in touch with them. One of the guys, um, Rio, he's the guy with a mobile phone. He's in Florida. So he just messaged me on Facebook one day, Messenger. He's like, hi, Jack. I was like, I thought it was a scam. So I was like, just send a thumbs up back. And he's like, oh, my name's Rio. I'm, I'm serving a life sentence in Florida prison. And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, but you're on Facebook. Like, bro, what, what the you, fuck? What are you doing, bro? So, and then he and then he called me from his mobile phone in prison, and so and he's like, "Oh, have you got WhatsApp? I prepare. I prefer to use WhatsApp." I'm like, "Yeah, sure, we can talk on WhatsApp." Well, do you have Wi-Fi in there? Yeah, as well, they or? do, man. Wi-Fi dongle. He's got a Wi-Fi dongle, and there are ten of them. Like, they can connect ten things to it, and they have a yeah Wi-Fi dongle that they use, and they get given these tablets in prison, which they can use, and there's obviously locked, and they can use certain things, but they've managed to. Um, unlock them, so they've all got Gmail and yeah, right. everything. So I know, just randomly, I know um, we've got a family friend who's actually in prison in the states. Oh, really? Yeah, like for nothing special, like just traffic offences. No, no, yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. you want to hear about. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, give me their number. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he he's got a tablet. Yeah, and he yeah, like um, we can speak to him, but it's through like uh, JPay or yep. whatever they call that's, it. And that's how I talk to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly the same situation. He, yeah, they've got tablets, and they they get their own tablets, and they can send email on the emails on the JPay. It's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. It's weird. But weird. apparently, they've got some of them have got it set up so they actually have like phones. 
But then um, Rio, this guy Rio sent me a video the other day. These <laughs> these gang members have made a, a rap video in the prison. And then, mate, some of the knives these guys have got and, like, like this freaking long and there's, like, drugs everywhere and, like, they're walking down the, like, the <sighs> rungs with these bags of drugs and it's insane. I said to him, I was like, this is crazy. He goes, dude, it's so dangerous in here. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but he's doing a life sentence for stealing someone's Rolex watch. Yeah, right. Life sentence. No, no possibility of parole. I don't understand the legal system. Oh, mate, it's my, in an episode coming up, I'm, I'm talking to a, a former federal um, judge about sentencing. Yeah. Because it's just like, you know, these, the, this, especially Florida, it seems, is just like crazy. Like there's, they've got the harshest penalties around. Like literally like everyone gets life sentences. And a lot of the, I mean, it's, a lot of them say it's to do with, obviously it's because prisons over there are, um, are businesses. Mm. Like they're, they're all privately owned. All right? privately owned. Yeah. They're businesses. And like Rio was telling me like there's nothing in there that they can do or get without having to pay money. So tablets and, you know, food and anything at all, anything that they need or want, has, they, they have to pay it. for. Uh, and yeah, obviously right. then the state obviously then pays the company to keep them housed in there yeah. as well. Um, so he said this is what – in his – I mean, obviously he's been locked up, but he said essentially that's why they get these long sentences because they want to keep them in there because it's a paycheck. Like it's money. Like it's money to the, the – but, I mean, obviously I'm sure a judge would disagree with that statement, but that's why I'm getting a judge on to talk about this guy who's coming out, David Talley, who's been given a 100-year sentence. Um, didn't kill anyone, didn't hurt anyone. Um, he hit a police car with his car, two yeah. police cars with his car, and got charged with two counts of assault with a deadly weapon on a police officer, which carries a 30-year maximum. So he got two counts. So that was 60 years, max, 60 years for that. And then all these other charges, he got the maximum on every sentence that he got. Um, and, yeah, it added up to just over 100 years. How? Like how? Well, he, he, how? Robbed, he robbed a service station after hours. There was no one there. He robbed it after hours to pay for his drug habit. Um, and it was... I think he'd been to jail three times previously before that for short sentence, like six months here. It was always for burglaries of shops after hours because he said he was didn't he he wasn't a violent person and he just needed to steal shit to pay for his drug addiction. He'd asked to go to rehab many times, so he he didn't do any violent crimes. It was only burglaries to pay for his um, drug addiction. He asked to go to rehab in one of his court appearances, and they said no. Um, you're going to jail. Uh, but then this, so this was his like fourth time in front of the judge. So he'd been getting in trouble a fair bit. And I know a lot of people would be like, well, you reap what you sow, which I, I get that. And he's, he doesn't say that he, sh- he says he should have gone to, he, sh- he needed to go to prison and he, you know, he wasn't doing the right stuff and, and prison was on the cars and he was, fi- he was that was whatever. But he was going to get five or six years, I think, for, for this crime. And he said in his mind, he, he, he was sick of the cycle of the drugs and the prison and, and he was just over it. So he his plan was he asked the judge for a couple of days to get his affairs in order, say goodbye to his kids, um, and before he came back for his sentencing. But in his mind, he said he, that he, he was not going back to jail. <laughs> like he was going to go home and fucking knock himself. Oh, true. Yeah, so he went home. He tried to knock himself. Um, he took some of his dad's medication, drank a heap of booze, but it didn't work. His, his old man got got home. He ended up taking his old man's car and pissing off. So his dad obviously was worried about him and him hurting other people with, mm. because he was driving under the influence. So he called cops and said, look, this is the situation. My son's, you know, I don't want him to hurt himself or anyone else. 
Eventually, they caught up with him, but a car ch- this car chase happened. As I said, he hit two police cars in the car chase because they came down a ro- he was going up one he was going up a one way street. They come the wrong way down the one way street, yeah, and hit him. Dang. So eventually, he en- ends up getting he ends up stopping, getting out the car, lying flat on the ground. Apparently, they they put the boot in a few times. Ended up in hospital for a couple of days because of that. But eventually, he goes obviously back in front of the judge. And the judge was, he said the judge was just pissed. Like, he just said, you know. Same judge. Same judge. He said, you know, what if what if you killed someone? It would, they, it would have come back on me. You know, you made me mm. look like a fool, blah, 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 blah. And, and, that, and then sentenced him to the maximum on every single charge. So he spent 22 years in jail so far. That's so hectic. And that's more than some people get for murder. Mm. Like, and he's, and that's, like, he's there for the rest of his life. Uh, unless... Unless he can get out now, I mean, in my opinion, like he should be out time served. Yeah, he's been in jail for twenty two years. He hasn't touched a drug since he's been in jail. He's become a law clerk. He's changed, turned his life around, and with no help from the the prison system because they don't give a shit. Yeah, no. Like he could literally sit in there and just take drugs, but he hasn't, and he's you know, he's become a better man. He's he's you know he's sorted his life out. So I would, in in my opinion, obviously I'm not in charge of this stuff and whatever, but in my opinion, he's done 22 years, changed his life. It should be looked at. Okay, you know, we let this let this guy out. Chance, like yeah. I mean, you know, he, he did some stupid shit when he was younger and took drugs and, you know, it's addiction and all the rest of it. And he's he's yeah changed his life. So I'm I'm trying my best to try and get him out. But the trouble is, most of these people can't afford a lawyer. Yeah, they have no money to to pay for an attorney. So. They have to either do it themselves or rely on a public defender, and public defenders have got hundreds of cases, yeah. and they just cannot focus their attention on one case. So that's the biggest, issue. and that's why that's like a lot of. I wish the podcast was earning good money because I legitimately would help fund yeah. these people some lawyers. Um, so that that is my hope eventually that this thing does well enough where I can do that. Yeah. I'd love to have a little kitty where I can, you know, if I, you know, come. I, I don't want to just start that. dishing out money to everyone I talk to. Get a lot of guests that way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd never be short of a story. Yeah, um, but you know, things like people like David crop up. I'd love to be able to go. You know what? Here's whatever you need. Five grand. Go yeah. and get yourself an attorney. Let's see if we can get you out. Yeah. Um, so that actually, that that would be my that my hope eventually that we get to that point where we have got some money where we can help people. So why um, why American? Because they're prisoners. the only ones I can talk to. <laughs> Can't talk to Australian um, yeah, prisoners. Um, because when Australian prisoners go in to jail, they, they have to hand over a list of phone numbers that they want to be able to talk to. Yep. You have to be on a, an approved list uh, and then they can call you. Um, whereas it's just it's just easier with the, the inmates. It, it does – I mean, obviously, Doris makes it a lot easier because yeah. you have to get hold of their, their inmate number, know where they're housed, um, and it's a bit of a process. So, And I've done that. With a few inmates, but so, but Doris makes it a lot easier, obviously, because she finds these people. And, and if family members get in touch with me again, that's a lot easier because they yeah. can give me every bit of information I need to go out and find these people. Um, and a lot of people, actually, a lot of people, prisoners don't want to talk as well. Like, um, I've had a, actually just this week um, one lady who, who had started talking to me and telling me her story, she messaged me and just said she doesn't want to talk anymore. So I've lost, lost her. But so, you know, it's, it is a bit up and down. And also, um, you know, I would like to venture out and do other places. I'd love to do Australia, but again, yeah. it's just too hard. It's, well, at the moment, it's too hard. I might, I might investigate it further and see if there's a way I can do it. Um, but yeah, so it just it's purely just number one ease, um, and number two, 
because the population the, the, there's such a huge percentage of people are mm. imprisoned in America. Yeah, like you know, it's just there's so many stories to tell. Yeah. Um, that yeah, and the, this and again, like we don't have the sort of sentencing here that they have over there. Yeah. You know, with this crazy you know hundred years or there was someone the other day who got four life sentences plus 150 years. Why don't they just say, oh, you're going to jail and you're never getting out? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Because over there, life is life. Yeah, life is life yeah. for them. Yeah, life is 100% life. It's not like... All the death row ones were really Yeah, so I've got one death row inmate. Well, I, I mean, she's not on death row anymore. She yeah. was. So she was on death row. The youngest woman to be put on death row um, in Florida at the time. Um, she's now off death row, but she's still got two life sentences. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so talking to her as well... Um, well, I'm hoping to do. I mean, she. I haven't spoken to her for a while. She's very up and down with me that one. Because they have people on the outside who see my shit, and then, like, it's like Chinese whispers. They completely like twist what I'm saying mm, or doing. Yeah. And then I get a message from the inmate going, "Oh, my friend said that you blocked her from commenting on your stuff because she was arguing again." And I was like, "I haven't blocked anyone, mate. Like, I literally like." So there's all these dramas that come with it too. The amount of times I've woken up to angry messages from inmates because oh, I've God. apparently said something or done something or there's a video out that, you know, her friend and their friend has said this or their friend has said that and I'm just like – and I'm in, talking them down for a ledge so many times. So it's, it's, sometimes it's very exhausting. It's very interesting but it sounds very – sounds like hard work. It, man, it is a lot of hard work. It really is. But – Hopefully, I mean, I re- but I enjoy it. Like yeah. I really enjoy it. That's the main. Like thing. I enjoy the craft of putting the episodes together and you know and, and building the story for people to listen to. And but then again, like what well, I say, I was stressing about something. Like I always stress about then the next story. You know, yeah. and go is this going to be good enough? Are people going to enjoy this one and, and that sort of stuff? So like it, it's good, but it's the, it comes with its own stresses. You know, it's very good. So what's next then? Next, uh, so we've done Doris Moore, Kimberly Boone. Next is David Talley, The Hundred Years. Yeah. Then after that, we've got Amelia Carr, who's the death row nice. inmate. Then we've got uh, our Reiner, who was a Christian guy who then got caught up with the Mexican mafia, <laughs> ended up at a, a killing. Yeah. Uh, so he's doing a life sentence. We've got Rio coming up. Uh, who else have we got? Uh, there's about 10 inmates all up at the moment. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, je- I'm always, getting, like, always getting more and more. And the more connections, obviously, I make within the prison, the more um, stories I hopefully get. Because, I, you know, I want this to be able to continue for become a show well i mean i that's what i, I just i just want it to keep going you know because I, I enjoy doing it and i want it to be you know i want longevity there yeah um you know so so hopefully fingers crossed i can keep bringing more and more stories but as i said not everyone wants to talk you know i've messaged a number of people and you just crickets um you know even i spoke to david tally i'm like oh you know have you, you know? he actually yeah he got me onto one other prisoner and it's like oh this guy might talk but he's, he said the dude's in prison it's, most, most, it's like dudes in real life, like outside of prison, like they don't want to talk, you know, they don't want to tell their stories and they don't want to, you know, uh, unload their emotional baggage and that sort of stuff. So it's hard to get them to talk, um, whereas the ladies love a chat. So. Yeah, sweet. It's good content. No, look, it's, it's, it is. It's great. I mean, I, you know, 4.30 in the morning listening to stories of murder and, and all sorts, it's, it's fascinating sometimes. Does your wife get worried? No, mate, no. Like We've been together. We're nah. women. <laughs> nah. My it's life. so funny, actually. <laughs> the the Doris at one point was like, "Oh, have you got a photo? Just you can send it so I can show you know so we can see what you look like." <laughs> and I'm just I'm scrolling through my photos, going, "Do I find like a, a half attractive photo? Do I give him a little <laughs> bit of something, some little bit of cheek? Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I doing?" Uh, so, but no, my wife is not worried, mate. In any sense, show form. We've been together over ten years, so. 
Yeah, she yeah, couldn't so. care less. <laughs> she just wants to, she wants me to make some money so I can help pay the bills. Well, hopefully soon. It yeah, you never money. know. Who knows? We'll see what happens. You know, I I, uh, I was talking to – I'm going to do a wanky name drop here, but I was talking to Ed Sheeran and um, – <laughs> What? I know. Uh, sorry, name drop. Let me just pick that up. But I was talking to Ed, I was talking to Ed Sheeran and then he said something to me because I said to him, I said, do you have a, ever have a, like a plan B? And he said, no. He said, I, I share, he said there's seven, uh, seven or eight billion people in the world – uh, I knew that some of them would like my music, so I just uh, so I'm just taking that. I'm like, you know, there's seven or eight billion people in the world. I think you know some people like the the podcast. So, so you know, fuck. so at this stage, I don't have a plan B. Don't need one. Alrighty. Well, anyway, we will drop Jack's Instagram, the podcast link. Thank you. Everything below. I very much appreciate you. I mean, and I can I just say I love your setup. It is. I need myself one of these setups. It's not bad. This isn't where I usually do it all the time. If I do it with um, the other bloke, I do it with Ryan. Normally we do it in my house. but Yeah, well, because I do it in uh, literally a room with no windows. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's very depressing <laughs> sometimes. But, no, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much indeed. No, it's thank been you. a lot of fun, and I, I'm sorry I rambled on for hours. No, it's good. Our listeners will love that. So, right, Thank legend. you. Thank you.